Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. But this morning, what I want to focus on in the beginning is really who do you fear? Because we know my one verse <clears throat> as we prep for journeying into understanding um, or how the understanding how God has or God's character as revealed, I want us to be able to look at this first part. And I've spoken on this before, and so if you've heard some of this, bear with us. But it is this whole issue of fearing the Lord. And it is this whole thought of what does it mean to fear God. And I know over the years we've, we've kind of westernized it. We say fear doesn't mean, you know, being in terror. No, it actually does. Um, but not a terror that's crippling where you don't do anything or you don't respond. Let me tell you something. I have great fear for unbridled electricity. You do too. How do I know? None of us will walk up to the top of one of these telephone poles and venture to touch the ones that are uncovered. Not you who are in their right mind. I have fear for unbridled water. How do I know? I stood in awe the first time I made it to Niagara Falls and watched the force of that water. I go back to electricity. I have a brother who's been an electrician for over 30 years, and some guys have met him. He's a pretty big dude. And he said he's, he's walked into generator rooms where you feel the electricity when you walk in. He said, I walk in the room, and every hair on my body stands up. That's the electricity in the air. And so we have fear for things. We have a level of terror that causes us to respond in certain ways. So don't tell me fear doesn't include terror. God just wants you to respect him. Oh, he does want you to respect him. Why should you respect him? Because he is awesome. And I know for us today, awesome has lost its flavor. Because to us, a sandwich is awesome. That meal was awesome. That restaurant was awesome. That athlete of ours, that famous was awesome. That home is awesome. We throw that word around pretty generously. And so when it comes to God, we want to say, so, 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 so is God like your house? Is God like that sandwich? Is God like that place that you visited? And so as we look at this whole issue of who do you fear, it is the beginning, but it comes from an understanding of who it is that you fear and why. And I want to ask, because some of us will say we fear God, but our lifestyles demonstrate that we fear everything and everyone but him. 
our choices demonstrate that there is something or someone who has a higher fear factor place in our lives. And I want us to be able to see that. Who do you fear? I'm just going to answer four things this morning. There are more than four, but we're going to answer four this morning. The fear of the Lord, and then we'll fill it in. Let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and I pray that as we hear your word, Lord, that, Father, we would hear you speaking. We would hear you, we, we would see you pointing and directing. We would see you uncovering areas of our lives that need attention. We would sense you convicting us of our sins and so that we may turn them over to you in forgiveness. I pray that you would give us understanding as we get into your word in Christ's name, amen. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. It's a very familiar text. I'm just going to give you the scriptures that we'll be looking at today. This is more topical. You know me, I tend to go verse by verse. But today, we're going to be looking at this whole issue of who do you fear. So Proverbs 1, 7, and then we'll be looking at Job 1, 21. 1 Peter 5, 7. And ending with Psalm 31, 19. So the first one. When we did our time through Proverbs, it was one that we um, that we spent time on. I thought I had my Bible book to mark there. I didn't, but I'm here. When you are getting the intro summary of Proverbs, of what it is, verse 7 ends that, ends that summary section with that which we've heard quite a bit. Let me read the whole verse. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, depending on your translation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it says that in order so for us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. And we know wisdom, as we've looked at it several times, is this whole issue of knowledge rightly, rightly applied. In other words, applying knowledge in the right way at the right time. It's wisdom. How many of us know that you can have the same people with the same body of information and knowledge and get two different outcomes and you go, did they read the same thing? Did, did, did they study the same thing? You can get two children coming from under the same parents, same instruction, and you scratch your head at one as you look at the other and say, do they have the same parents? See, the issue becomes just because you possess knowledge doesn't mean you have wisdom. And the foundation for beginning to learn wisdom for life that will help you to make godly decisions and get 
his outcomes for your life, it says it starts with. We, if, if, if we were to rewrite this verse, many of us will say the fear of the Lord is wisdom, as if it's the destination, is the end all. It ends right here. Fear of the Lord ends at wisdom. No, it's a you just opened the door. It's the beginning. You have the right foundation when you have this fear. Let's talk about that word fear does encompass both awe, terror, which leads to a respect for. And awe and terror of, which leads to a respect for. I mean, there was a level of fear. I didn't have God-like fear, but I had a level of fear for my father and my mother. Because I knew what they could inflict on me. And so when they spoke, now, sometimes it took a little bit more talking with mom. I'm sorry, moms. That just happens sometimes. Sometimes. There are some moms that they are one-time talkers, and that's it. And some of y'all have had them. Um, we've always said my father was, he was, <clears throat> he was the heavy and the heat in our home. And so when my mom spoke, if she had to speak more than once, or if my mom ever got frustrated, there was one phrase that we all did not like. Now, my father um, went by several nicknames, but my mom would use his name, and she would say, John, I'm so tired. Can you get those kids? Lord, have mercy. You would hear a scattering I'm going to give you my urban analogy. Scattering like roaches when you turn on the light. <laughs> and you, why? Because I knew what that meant. I knew what was going to come behind that. And he was a one-talk kind of guy. So there was a level of fear. No, it wasn't God-level fear, but there was a level. There was a level of respect and some awe. But for God, it is once you begin to see uh, who God is as revealed in Scripture and you begin to embrace it and you begin to believe it, It now inspires in you that same awe as someone standing in front of Niagara Falls or, or the very first time we entered a mountain, I mean, um, coming out of the mountain pass in Switzerland down into southern Switzerland in the Geneva area and it opens up and all you see is the handiwork of God as sea in front of you, mountains on both sides, green on the other end of the, of, of the lake rather, it wasn't the sea, Lake James. And you came down and it was, I, I literally, I kid you not, my mouth was just open. Wow. And all I could say is, God is amazing. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
And so hear that well. Whom do you fear? The fear of the Lord is where you launch. But if the wisdom and the instruction that is being given you despise, you're not launching right nor well. He says, but fools despise it. They shun it. Think about when you despise something. I don't know that we really understand or comprehend that word. Think about something that you despise. It's not like, ah, I just prefer not. No. Think of something that you, you don't want near you. You don't want close. You don't want to deal with. There are certain foods that you despise when you smell it in the room. It initiates a gag reflex for some of you. Just, Hopefully, there aren't very many people that you despise that that happens with. But understand the word choice here. The despising is a very violent, hard pushing away. I want nothing to do with that. When you are at the point where you say, I want nothing to do with that which is wisdom coming from God, which we get from his word, understand you are moving into the fool category. And your foundation is flawed. And all of us know if the foundation is flawed, whatever is built on it will also be. And even if you are building something that looks great at its foundation, it could crumble at any moment. Growing up... um, My father watched the Twin Towers, what was known as the Twin Towers World Trade Center, go up. It went up in the 70s, of course, and he was in New York, and he said, I watched them go up. And he said, I watched one of those towers, he said, sat in what used to be water. One of the towers sat in the Hudson. And what they did is what they call landfill. Now, they've improved upon that over time. Landfill is just what they would do. They would would pump the water out and fill it with land. And to the point where you could build on it. I am no geographer, but I do know landfill. Like, that works great in New York, where they're not as prone to earthquakes. But in a place where... You are prone to earthquakes. What's also been said is landfill, at least the kind back during the time of the Twin Towers, landfill turns into jello because it's not based on bedrock. And so when that land starts to shake, so does the foundation. And I would say that there are some of us, when we despise the wisdom of God, when we don't want what he has and what he is giving, it is like building landfill in an earthquake-prone area. Because when the trials of life come and shake your foundation, your foundation turns into jello. 
And we get stuff like, I can't walk with God anymore. We get stuff that, I'm done with him. We get things like, uh, you know what? I thought I could. I can't do that anymore with you, God. We get people turning. Why? Because my foundation wasn't built right. And he's telling you and I today, start off correctly. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But also because of that, the fear of the Lord causes the right perspective. Turn to Job chapter 1. This is at the beginning. Now, had Job stayed in that mindset, it would have helped him greatly, but that's okay. God knows our frame and how frail we are, and he helped Job to come to the right perspective. And this is after everything had happened to Job. How he had lost everything, including his influence. It says in, I'm going to read verse 21st. Back up just one verse. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Not what I thought the response would be. And if, if you don't understand that, read all of chapter 1 and find out all that happened within a, you know, within an amount of time what happened. And Job's response was a great one. He was in anguish and in pain, and he fell and, wow, worshipped. Some of us would have been in pain and anguish and fell and said, God, how could you? But his next comment was the one that is born from a right perspective. And he said, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And for any of you that think that somehow Job's response was flawed, that Job did not, that, that, that he did not state accurately, verse 22 covers that. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job's statement was not wrong. He said, it was the Lord who has blessed by giving, and it is the Lord who has taken away. Some of our theology can't handle the Lord taking away. God doesn't take away, really. That's not the Lord. We start rebuking Satan. The taking away might just be the Lord working in your life for your good and his glory, even in taking away. The fear of the Lord causes the right perspective. It is God that has allowed the blessing of receiving and it is also, there can be a time, it is also God who is causing me to walk through this time of things being taken. And then he says, blessed be the name of the Lord, not cursed. His perspective was anchored in a good perspective of God. Now, we will see later his his. His pain over time, before we want to throw Job under the bus, 
Some of us wouldn't have lasted as long as Job. His pain and his suffering over time, start reading toward the end, chapter 30. And you start seeing some of the pain that he had. And it was repeated and it was sustained. And he was like, what is going on? And he begins to doubt. He begins to turn a little bit. And then when you see God's answer, I love it. God in his love, he doesn't nail Job to the wall. He helps Job to come back to the right perspective that he had in the beginning. So first thing was the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord causes the right perspective. The fear of the Lord causes humility. 1 Peter 5, 7. It's a verse that has helped me tremendously. If I can just turn there, pages are alrighty. Back up to verse 6. Sorry about that, Paul. I told him seven. Back up to verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your cares, I say all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It starts off with that command. Humble yourselves, and therefore, of course, as you need to read what was coming before, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. See, but you have to see, you have to embrace, rather, you have to understand that his hand is mighty in order for you to humble yourselves under it. Notice that, see, see God can humble us. And we have all probably experienced being humbled by God. Here is one of those opportunities where God has given you the chance to do it first. Because it is forming when we do it. When we submit ourselves and humble ourselves under the rightful place. It says under his mighty hand. See, there are some of us that think that our hand, our hand is so mighty and we're trying to work out our influence. We're trying to work out what we do. We're trying to get our network to set us up when all God wants you to do is to humble yourself under his mighty hand. And let me help you out. Sometimes it won't look like his hand is mighty in the humbling situation that you find yourself in. But if you embrace who God is, fearing him with the right perspective, you will humble yourself under his mighty hand. Why? Because here's why. Boy, when we are in trouble, one of the things that we think, I know I have, I don't know about you, is we, we, we tend to fall in that, category of boy forgetting quickly and we say god do you care god do you even care about me god are you are you are you paying attention 
There were a group of guys that did that once in a boat. Wasn't there? Crossing over. Lord, do you care that we perish? Why? Because we tend to, when faced with a situation that seems overwhelming for us that we don't like, and we go, God, I know you've got to be watching this because you're sovereign. I know you, 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 you have to see this. You have to know I'm in the middle of this. So obviously, since you haven't done something my way, I'll put that in parentheses, since you haven't done something, you must not care. And God says, I care. I care more than you realize, which is why I'm not allowing it to happen your way. I care more than you can even imagine because we respond to God many times selfishly. We want it to work out peacefully and comfortably for us. God wants it to work out transformative for us. In other words, it is changing who we are. Remember, he is every day of your life as a follower of Christ, shaping you more and more into the image of his son. And what's the best way to do that? Is to helping you to rid that which is causing you not to see him more clearly. So the fear of the Lord. And I love this, that he may exalt you at the proper time. See, how many of us know what the proper time is? We all do. God, I know what the proper time is. It was yesterday. And you too slow. I don't know what your proper time is, but my proper time has already passed. And I'm just waiting for your proper time to equal mine. Doesn't work that way. See, help, help yourself by understanding. God will exalt for his glory and your good in his time. And can we drop, okay, one day God's going to elevate me, and we have our idea of what elevation looks like. See, you may think elevation is from here to here. Here you go. God, I'm here. And he's going to elevate me and all y'all going to see it. And God's elevation could be for you from here to here. And I'm just like, and for those in the back row, it's, it's on top of my shoe. You can't see it. See, the issue becomes... Proper time, we want to manage. Stage of elevation, we want to manage. God says, no, that's on me. Why? Because it's for his glory and our good. We've flipped that. We want it to be for our glory and his good as if he needed something. And understand, God is always working because when he is seen as he is, his glory, I really don't like the, the, the phrase, make him great. We're not making God great. He's great. How do, you, how do you make ultimate greatness great? We just need to help him to be seen 
as great. In other words, through our lives and through the way we live and respond, people see the greatness of God. So my deal will be more get out of the way of people seeing him being great and get in line so that they can see his greatness through your life. And so lastly, so we had the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord causes the right perspective. The fear of the Lord causes and brings humility. And lastly, the fear of the Lord causes goodness to be stored. Psalm 31, 9. And let this sit with you now. I know we like to harp on the good verses. They're all good verses. Even the ones that are tough to swallow are good verses. Come on. Y'all know when you were young and you hated them vegetables. I'm going to tell you right now, I hated my parents were farmers, and so every vegetable seemingly known to man was on our table, even if we didn't like it. They grew up farm kids, and when they moved to New York in Brooklyn, they, took the, they brought the farm with them. And for years, I detested this, this, this vegetable called a rutabaker. Ew. And it just seemed like my mom would put it on our plates regularly. And you were expected to eat it. Had a friend one time, had some friends of my younger brother that came over to the house. And my mother was a whatever we serve is what's for dinner kind of person. And, and sat down and, and he said, I don't eat that. Okay. I looked across at him and I thought, wow, he's about to go hungry. Well, she, she, she confirmed my thoughts very nicely. She said, well, son, I guess you're going to eat in the morning then because this is all we have. And he ate it because <laughs> he didn't want to go hungry. So the rutabakers I detested. Oh, my gosh. And, 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 but it was, and all the mother veggies were for our good. I actually turn, I actually like them now. My, my tastes have changed. Thank you. But I just remember all of those veggies. They were working good, but they didn't taste good. They were working wonders for my health, but they didn't taste good. And sometimes God is working for your spiritual well-being, and it doesn't taste good. But also, sometimes your taste changed as you mature. So 31.19, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Read that again. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Hear this. When something is stored up or put away, almost like an inheritance, when something is stored up, it's, it's, it's not for you now. 
For those of you who have saved for your children's university, or you still are, you're putting it in a fund that is not meant to be taken advantage of right now. You're working there 529 or whatever other kind of college plan you have. You put that away, and they can be like, that money's mine, right? When you go to college, that money is, I can get that. No, no, you can get that when you get to a particular place and time. And so there is goodness as you live a life fearing the Lord, God storing it up for a later time to be revealed. Guess who determines the later time? Him. Guess who determines what's being stored up? Him. What's your role? You just keep fearing God, knowing that he is storing up for you. What is it? None of your business. Just keep living because he's a good and great God. You know it's going to be good and great, but it may not be your idea of good and great. See, the issue becomes if we trust the character of God, we've, we, we have to trust that he is going to work it out so that we look more and more like Christ the longer we journey with him. That's the goal. And so who do you fear? Because if you fear man, you cannot please God. If you fear what the people will say, if you fear what my coworkers and my boss will think, if you fear what my teammates, what my classmates, if they hold greater fear in your life, meaning I really don't want to get on their bad side, they will, they will supersede your fear of the Lord, and you will be living for another person. If you fear losing your job, you will compromise on your job. If you fear losing a loved one, you will compromise with that loved one. If you fear losing and you fill in the blank and it's anything other than God, you will eventually replace God with that. And what the Lord is saying is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.